Today, we'll hear from Peter D., a professional CEO, professor, and author. Peter is going to share information and insights from his popular book, Manage to Lead, Seven Truths to Help You Change the World. Well, you buy a hat like this, I bet you get a free bowl of soup, huh? Oh, it looks good on you, though. Hi, I'm Victoria Downing. President of Remodelers Advantage, and welcome to Power Tips Unscripted, where we talk about tips, tactics, and techniques to help you build a strong, profitable remodeling company. And I'm here with my co-host, Mark Harari. Yeah, hi. Hey, I'm really excited about our guest today, Peter Marino, who's CEO of Intellivan. It's a company dedicated to helping leaders, teams, and organizations reach their potential to perform and grow. Peter D. is a professional CEO, professor, and author with more than 35 years of success helping build successful and fast-growing organizations that solve specific, important, pervasive, and persistent problems. Peter has helped organizations in our industry apply his lessons principles, and approaches to improving performance and growth. Welcome, Peter. Hey, it's great to be here. Thanks. Thank you so much for being here and taking the time out. You know, I love your book, and I'm really looking forward to talk, asking you some questions about it and learning more about your thoughts and how you developed it. But what I really want you to start out by giving us a little bit of background on your history and how you got to this point. Sure. So I grew up in New England, uh, just outside of uh, Boston, in uh, a large family. Uh, went to the uh, University of Massachusetts and took courses in computer science, economics, and math. So I got a triple major. Wow. I went to uh, business school and studied at MIT Sloan School, strategy, organization development, and computers. Wow. Came out and went, went to work for a, 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 an early stage uh, computer uh, IT company that was helping large organizations to improve performance through automation mm. uh, out to their regional office where there were just 13 people. And uh, over the next 20 years, I helped grow that company to a, a 10,000 person billion dollar firm. And my part of it was about 20%, 2000 people, $200 wow. million dollars worldwide. And in, in so doing, learned a lot of lessons about how to go from a small business to a bigger business yeah. using uh, a sort of a, a systematic approach. And and I actually conceived of the approach while I was still in business school and I got a chance to bring it to life, try it, learn from it um, in, in that 20-year run with that company. That's pretty cool. Now, did you go on and after that, wasn't that company acquired? Was that and then you went on to it, another? It was, I left before it was acquired because I, I felt like I should be running it, but they, they weren't ready to let me run. <laughs> okay. so I wanted to run a whole company, so I got recruited to run a $200 million public software company. Wow. And it was really interesting because I, I thought I knew everything, mm-hmm. and I was, I was out to prove it. And I said, you know what? Maybe I don't know everything. I've learned a lot, but maybe it's just because it worked here, not everywhere. So I kind of got myself open to experimenting with what I thought I knew in other places. And it turned out what I, I did know a lot and it worked really well, but I was also able to tweak it and learn what was more generally applicable, not just specifically applicable from one case that I'd been involved with. So I, I basically, over the next several years, ran five different types of businesses, product, channel, service, operation, and exchange. We got to experience what's different about each of those and learn how to I call myself a professional CEO because I, I don't only figure out what works for the, for the moment, but up to figure out why it works and how to communicate what works in a way that people can understand and apply in their situation. So that's the sort of that added value that I bring. And that's where the lessons learned have become more useful to others. 
So not only did you have the theory and the philosophy behind it, but you were really able to put it into practice and prove that it worked. And then from that experience came your book? Well, my, my book and my course and my articles and generally my content, uh, and what happened was um, a program called the National Training Laboratories, or NTL, in association with the university, uh, an American university in Washington, mm-hmm. D.C., master's program in organization development, noticed and become sort of aware of what I was doing, noticed it was a pattern of success. So they basically said to me, what are you doing? <laughs> what is working? Is it something different about what you're doing? And sure enough, uh, um, they, they actually uh, gave me an opportunity to take one of their courses and turn it into my course and asked me to codify what it is I thought I was doing that was different and hadn't been explained by any other pundits or book authors or professors. And that's what gave me the opportunity to crystallize into the seven truths what I thought I'd learned that was over and above what you can sort of get out of most uh, common popular books in business. So I'd read them all, you know, I good to great, you know, Search of Excellence, mm-hmm. Covey, mm-hmm. Um, Daniel Pink, I mean, you name it, I read it. And what I found interesting about those books was, you know, each one had something to offer that was really valuable, uh-huh. but they often would just give you the insight, but not the practical uh, way to apply what, what they were trying to say. And mostly as a CEO, I was I was struggling with, okay, great. Now, how do I actually do that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so what I feel like I've done in, in the in my workbook, it's it's not a it's not a bedtime reading book. It's a right. book you use every day when you're building your business. So it's more like a workbook than a popular book. Right, I can see and, that. Uh, and that's, uh, that, that's, that's how I, I use it and work with my students, but also with my clients and companies and people that I work with to help them get these insights and put them to work. So if I were to say, what are three things that you found that you were doing differently? Because I think that your approach is rather unique. So what were three yeah. things that you were doing differently and now promote doing differently than was the norm? Well, most most people, most most leaders think they're supposed to be all knowing and know what to do and act decisively, in, in on their own. I mean, they look at Bill Gates or Steve Jobs or Larry Ellison, and they see these large faces of these public companies that have been very successful, and they think I need to be like that. What they don't realize is there's a whole team of people behind the, each one of those. They're just the face of the company. So the idea of being open to help and open to building a team that you're working with to figure out what to do and to get it done, as opposed to just being this one person at the top of the heap um, as an individual powerfully leading. Uh, I think that's a big insight Mm -hmm. um, and and realize it's a team sport. Nothing gets, you know, one of the the truths is, you know, nothing gets, nothing much gets done uh, alone. You, You really need to build a team to get anything significant done. And that's, that's key. Okay, so that's one difference. Oh, yeah, give me, give me another one. Another one is everywhere I go, either if it's me as a leader or if I'm coaching a leader, I would say never do anything because I tell you to. Mm-hmm. So I never want anybody working for me to do anything because Peter said so. Because that means if they do, they've teched out. They're just, they're just drones in my world. Mm-hmm. What I want is for them to understand what, they're, what I'm asking them to do, to think it's the right thing to do, and to want to do it. If they if they just do it because they think I'm telling them to, all that thinking has has got to come from me, 
and they've essentially relieved themselves of any responsibility or consequences mm -hmm. from what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So if they do that, and if something goes wrong, and they tell me, well, I just did what you said, that's yeah. grounds for termination in my world. <laughs> okay, that makes a lot of sense. I think, especially yeah. with small businesses, that we have to have people that can think and that can and can have judgment and can make decisions that are right for the company. Right, and you want people thinking and working in concert or alignment with each other. So maybe the third thing I'd say is you don't underestimate the power of alignment. So getting aligned and getting people to all be trying to use their great strengths to accomplish the same end result is incredibly powerful. So it's like you get, you know, one arrow turns into a super arrow. If one, two, three people become all reckoned and working together to make the same thing happen. Amazing things can happen in a short time. When you're trying to do that all by yourself, though, it uh, it's just too hard. And then you have each person kind of pulling in a slightly different direction and don't even mean to. They just don't know it. So I'd say be explicit about what you're trying to do and what each person contributes to so doing and govern and guide that to happen. Uh, extraordinary things can, can, can result. So you sort of mentioned, uh, referred to a couple of the seven truths. Let's, right. let's start at the top. Let's let's go through them a little bit and talk about, you know, what you found and how you put them together into this very useful workbook. Well, they, the, the interesting thing is that for starters, it kind of all came together for me early in my career to realize that a business is really three things. And it was well said up best, I think, by Peter Drucker, who was the man, who was the founder of management science mm -hmm. back in the early 1900s. And actually, after the war, World War Two. He, he crystallized the notion that a business exists to solve a problem for a customer. That's mm -hmm. it, yep. right? So that begs the question, whose problem do you solve? Which is really, if you break it down, three questions. What do you provide? To whom do you provide it? And why do they buy it from you? So the point is here, the first truth is all about getting clear about exactly that. So the truth is an organization exists to solve a problem for a population of people. Truth, that's the truth. What that drives is an action. The action is to get clear about whose problem you solve, and then ultimately, how do you do it and how well do you do it? So every business is a system of systems, a system of doing what you do, the system of creating demand for what you do or selling, uh -huh. and the system of growth, increasing capacity, and uh -huh. you developing methods to make it easier to hire, develop, deploy, and reliably deliver on what you commit. So when you think about a business you, that way, you think, realize, hey, I'm actually architecting the business, just like I architect a home or I architect a system that I'm building for you know, a computer system. Mm -hmm. You can architect a business, and that's important to do right from the get-go. And that action or phrase that brings all that to mind in my book is something called get clear. And that's, step, that's, that's number one. So, it, you know, it, it seems as though a lot of businesses focus on get clear about the service that you provide or the problem right. you solve. But the other two are not right. necessarily looked at as components of a successful business. The, the reality is that for any given individual will drop into whatever area they're most competent. So the you're referring to people who perhaps in your industry are mostly defined by what they're good at doing. Mm -hmm. And they think a little bit less about why, why would someone pay them to do it? and you know how to get them to want to do it and in other businesses you have you know, it's actually quite common in technology people build build systems or build products and toys because they know how to when they can whether there's any need or not is sort of a secondary issue the reality is you need to focus on all three all the time 
And that's hard for humans to do. It's hard to think in three dimensions. And when you can think in three dimensions, it's hard to keep thinking in three dimensions. Right. You know, you can do it episodically and momentarily, but in practice of day to day, when there's a lot going on, you tend to drop to whatever competence you have. If it's a delivery competence, a selling competence, or a going competence, you will be dominated by that, and the other two will take a lesser stage in your mind. Oh, very interesting. So what, what we're doing here is make, bringing, making it come forward and, and become a conscious effort to think about all three and to work on all three and to develop a diversity of competence wow. at the top of the organization so that we have people that are good at each one of those things working together to make something happen. What do you have to be good at to be good at the growing component? Well, it depends on the business that you're in. Like you might, if you're in construction, you might need to be good at identifying talent. So how do you know that people can do what you're hiring them to do? Developing methodology so that they know how to do it the way you want it done so that you can manage it. And then good at working with the talent to deploy it and, go, and guide it and govern it and manage it in ways that work. So all of those are part of the, the methodology, which, you know, if you just go out there and do it, you, just, you don't know how you do it. You're like an eagle. You know how to fly, but you don't know how to explain to anybody how to fly. Right. What you want, what you need to be good at is process and methodology, bringing what you know how to do into a form you can share with others, teach others, and use in a systematic, orderly way to, to grow. Mm-hmm. In other industries, it may be more about money. How do we get the, the, the financial assets and resources we need okay. to finance the next thing that we're doing in order to grow? But in a lot of businesses that I work with, it's about people. It's, about, you know, sir, it's a service-oriented right. business mm-hmm. where what we're trying to find is how do we get what some number of people are doing to be done by a lot larger number of people in a systematic, orderly way that can grow without bound. Okay, very interesting. Okay, so yeah. that's one of the first truths. Right. And it kind of gets us into the second one, which is which is it takes a team is the truth. And what that drives is the action to become aligned around deploying great strengths together towards a common goal. So the, the, the trick for a leader is to realize they're not going to do it alone and that the best thing that they can do is collect followers who are good at different things. I mean, one tendency is to surround yourself with people kind of like yourself. The risk there is you'll get a lot of delivery people, but no salespeople or no growth people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you have to push into that, this, that the discomfort and, and start to hang around with people who are good at what you're not at the top. So you want somebody really good at sales, really good at delivery, really good at growth, working together to make it happen. And your job as a leader, in addition to collecting followers, which defines you as a leader, is to set the direction, say, here's where we're going, get everybody seeing that same thing, and then motivating action towards that direction. So it's... Set direction, align resources, motivate action. And in so doing, a leader also has to decide what kind of leader to be. You're yeah. going to be a, you know, a shepherd, sheep herder kind of driver or a cattle driver. You're going to be an iconic leader, a super human that carries the whole team, all different ways of doing it. Um, and the thing, the thing here is to be conscious about deciding what kind of leader to be. Don't just be the leader you've always been because that's what's worked for you because depending on the resources you have including time and money and people what it is that you're doing how risky it is those those factors will will need to weigh in on deciding can you take the time to do it this way or that way or do you need some other resources or people to help you do it in a different way so So, we call that um, it takes a team is the truth and get aligned and decide what kind of leader to be and collect followers is the action that it drives so, Peter, how, how does one go about figuring out what kind of leader they need to be? Because there's a tendency to 
you are who you are and that's where yeah. you're comfortable. So, I mean, it's hard to self-identify that, isn't it? Well, it is. Most people will, will naturally, if you say, why why are you leading the way you are? It says, well, that's the way it's always worked and I've gotten this far with it. Why would I change? Well, if you're doing the same thing you've always done, maybe that's true. But even just getting bigger and more complicated should force the issue in, in the question and say, well, is it really going to work in this next stage? So my, my push is to be thoughtful about it and think it through and decide at least know that there are these different ways of doing it and consciously accept or reject them. And mm -hmm. you don't need to do that alone. I, my, my, one of my truths is there drives the action, get help. So again, no leader succeeds alone, meaning there are outside resources, people who know things that you don't know that are not in your organization that are good to draw on to help you be better. And that would be a personal coach, for example, or, an, or a strong advisory board or a strong governing board or a collection of other people doing something similar to what you're doing that you commune with on a regular basis. All of those are support structures that are part of the get help section of the book in the methodology and in in, in what I teach. Mm -hmm. So you get a board, retain experts, get a coach to help you see things you don't see, help you think things, things through and help you consciously decide to do things the way you're going to do them, not just because you've always done them that way. You know, I think that small business owners and remodeling company owners that we interact with, I think more and more are seeing that get help uh, piece of this as an important part of their development. They're realizing that they may need that outside perspective to get where they need to go. Right. I, I'm, I'm sensing a lot of interest in that as well. As it's become more and more a, a, a well-developed and mature industry, those that are most successful and they, they get the biggest and the best um, returns over, the, over time are the ones that are open to this and do it well, and the others will want to follow. So we're going out of, out of order a little bit on the truth. Does that matter? No. In fact, the truths are not steps or stages. They're just all true all the time. And so the trick is to determine which one is the best one to make progress on next based on whatever is currently constraining the growth and performance of your business. And there's not, it's not like uh, Cotter's 10 steps to leading change or, or, or any other one, two, three. It's, these are all true all the time. And each one drives a set of actions that uh, if you, to the extent you do them and well, is essentially a maturity model along seven dimensions. Oh, okay. So at any given time, you're only so far on each one and you choose which one to advance on based on what's the current constraint. And if you think about it, that's actually one of the truths, which is focus. Focus is it's, it's okay to do what you like and what you're good at. What they're getting at here is that you need to do what we say, act intentionally, persist variously. Hmm. What this means is, for example, with the truths, which one should we be taking action on? Decide and do that intentionally until it's no longer the right one to do it on. So this book, it's really interesting because it's, it's more, it's not really a book you put on the shelf. It's more of a tool <laughs> and it's a tool you use as right. a tool and you it, can flip through I it. Use it. I probably have used it more than anything. <laughs> <laughs> but, but let me tell you how it came about. I, I remember I told you that American University asked me to put together the course. I had this great teaching assistant who helped me organize it and, and mold it from a bunch of content to, a, to, the, to the seven truths model. And then what we did was we developed slides and uh, scripts for 36 hours of classroom time and then work you did in between. And the students said, you know, this is great, but we need this in a form that we can work with, right? We can't just take 
slides and, and, and right. write down what you say. You need to put this in a form we can work with. So they clearly needed to be a book. And my daughter said, get, get over it, Dad. Just write the damn book. Because I'd been resisting it because most people write books, I think, more for their own ego and gratification. <laughs> Than, than any real contribution to the world store of knowledge. But I finally decided with all this from my students and my, my daughter, that it was in my TA, it was, it was time to do it. So what I did was took each, not just each section, each, not each class, but each hour, each 15 minutes and put together a post and over a hundred posts, which each had a graphic and some, some, some content that described uh, either a lesson, a methodology, or a principle that had come from the course and the knowledge that fed it, which was my experience. So basically, I had over 100 posts, which essentially were the first draft of the book. When you put all that together and you iterate with readers and students and you know people you work with, they give you feedback, and you can edit those and make them better. And ultimately, that process led to uh, the, the, the form of the, of the workbook that you see here, which is now what I use in my course for students. And I've just opened it up now to be available to uh, career executives who are interested in learning about these. And I do it in my course. There's a, there's a case study in the course and it just happens to be your own business. So you ah, come to the course very nice. with you and your top team and your business. And we go through the seven truths in 10 two hour sessions over um, 10 weeks. And, uh, and and help you learn to learn the truths and then to apply the truths to your case and then to iterate with you, with uh, with the students iterate with each other and with me and with guest outside executives to hmm. uh, advance the application of the truths to their own businesses. That is very cool. Yeah, it's this is a really cool process here. You know, Peter, we could be picking your brain for hours on this, but mm -hmm. um, we've hit that time of the show. <laughs> you know what time it is? Uh, time to have fun. Yeah. That's, <laughs> right. We've it's, been having fun. Come it's, on. It's, yeah. the, it's the real fun. It's the lightning round. And now, here's the Remodeler's Advantage lightning round. It's a trap. All right. Put 60 seconds on the clock. Here we go. What's your favorite business book and why? Well, my favorite author is uh, David Meister, M-E-I-S-T-E-R. And the reason is he has written a series of books related to professional services as a business, and he's nailed it. So his, his defining book is how to run a professional services firm. So I'd say if you're really serious about wanting to do that, read that book. If you weren't a professional CEO, what do you think you'd be doing? Well, I've always, everybody calls me the professor because I, my whole career, the way I've run businesses is by helping people to see things and grow into themselves. The problem is when I went and actually became a professor, I realized I don't want to be a professor because <laughs> 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 I mean, you have to be open to what other people think. <laughs> I actually, the other thing I like to do on the side is uh, draw. So maybe, right. maybe I'd be uh, an artist. What are you not very good at? Um, here's the thing. I, I have a lot of joy, a lot of pleasure, a lot of ability in the design phase, and I can implement, but I actually prefer uh, the design. So I like to architect and like to imagine how things are going to be and then leave to the interest re interested reader actually doing it. <laughs> okay. your, your room, your desk, or your car, which do you clean first? I guess it would be my desk since I just cleaned it before this call, and that's something I do every day. How many pancakes do you eat in a year? Uh, 150. <laughs> you don't look like you do from your photo. <laughs> Cats or dogs? 
Oh, dogs by far. Scale of one to ten, how would you rate your memory? Uh, now we're in, built a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. It's definitely going down. That way. <laughs> what, what was the question? <laughs> yeah. Very good. All right. Thank you so much, Peter. That was awesome. Right. So right. thank you for taking the time to do this and for explaining some of the truths that you've discovered over your fabulous career. So, Peter, how will people learn more about you and the course that you're offering and, and your book and so on? Well, the best thing to just log on to my website at www.intellivend.com and take a tour. There's all kinds of great content out there, all free. Uh, you can subscribe to our blog, which comes out about monthly with some nugget, uh, a principle, a lesson, or a method. Hmm. And the um, the course is now available to anybody. Intellivendu uh, is a page on the website. You can open that up, register, and see the courses, and then enroll. Okay, so thank you again. And before you go, we want you to share your five words of wisdom. Get clear, align, then grow. That's Very good. Very good. Awesome. Thank, Thank you, you so, so much. much. Perfect. Thank you so much, right, and guys. well, I appreciate the time. All right. Keep in touch. Wow. So Peter D. It's so much easier to say Peter D. than D. Gia Marino. Then, I think I just said yes, it. Yes, I think you Look did just say it. it. And without like, the hand movements, no, too. No, right. I Woo-hoo. actually got it. My <laughs> yeah. gosh. Yeah, he was very interesting. I mean, you know, the fact that this stuff is, is like field proven is really exciting to, to hear about, you know? Yeah, and the fact that it's a workbook is, is I mean, it's kind of weird. You know, I got the book, I looked through it, and I started thinking, hey, this isn't a, this isn't, this isn't a book that you read. It's, it's You actually work through this thing and, and do exercises. and Yeah, the, the, it's an amazing number of exercises and things to lead you through. So it, by the time you get done with the workbook, even a section of the workbook, you're ending up with something tangible. And, you know, it's it's cool, too, because as, as he mentioned, that you don't have to do it in order and you can bounce around and all that to what's kind of important to you or where, where you're yes. struggling. And that's mm-hmm. a good piece of information because I tend to feel like I need to go from beginning to end. Yeah. And... That was good. Mm-hmm. I think uh, we'll just rack that one up and send it over to Naomi. What do you think? <laughs> I think that's a great idea. All right. This has been another episode of Power Tips Unscripted, the Remodeler's Guide to Business. Visit www.remodelersadvantage.com to learn more about Roundtables, our world-class peer advisory program. There you can also find information about our business consulting services, upcoming live events, and much more. And finally, don't forget to subscribe to the show and comment on iTunes. Thanks for listening. It's a beautiful day. It's a beautiful day.